This is Choni's Circle. I'm Tamar Lubicki. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose. And on Choni's Circle, we are going to explore Jewish texts from the Torah through the Talmud and lots of traditional commentaries to grapple with climate change to help us process our emotions about climate change and about this particular moment um, and to help us try to make sense of the world that we find ourselves in. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 121. And it's a psalm that I've been thinking about a lot recently. We've been adding it to our tefillot, to our prayers, since October 7th. That repetition has it on my mind. It's a psalm that is traditionally recited during times of distress as a hope for protection. And I'll actually chant it now um, instead of just reading it the way that we've been chanting it during services. Shir lama alot esa enai el haharim meayin yavo ezri ezri meim adonai osei shamaim vaaretz al yiten lamot raglecha al yanum shomerecha hine lo yanum velo yishan shomer Yisrael adonai shomerecha adonai tzilcha al yad yaminecha. Yomam Hashemesh lo yakeka ve'areach balayla Adonai yishmor chamikol ra yishmor et nafshecha Adonai yishmor tzitcha uvoecha me'ata ve'ad olam A song for a sense. I turn my eyes to the mountains. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot give way, your guardian will not slumber. See, the guardian of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is your guardian, the Lord is your protection at your right hand. By day the sun will not strike you, nor the moon by night. The Lord will guard you from all harm, he will guard your life. The Lord will guard your going and your coming now and forever. One of the things about this psalm that I've been thinking about a lot is actually in verse 6, where we're given the reassurance that the sun will not smite us by day, nor the moon at night. And that stood out to me because I understand the kinds of protection that we might need from the sun. It's like self-explanatory. <laughs> like we can get sunburnt, we can get heat stroke, we can get dehydrated. But I had never really thought of the moon as a source of danger in that way. And so I was really curious, like, what is the protection that we need from the moon smiting us at night? And so I did a little bit of research. Some of the commentators seem to believe that it's maybe about like different kinds of demons, some of whom might have dominion during the day and others at night. But the Malbim imagines that it's about the way that the sun and the moon are opposite each other. And so it's like a reassurance of like a very full protection, right? Both from this kind of trouble and from that kind of trouble, right? Meaning sort of everything in between. And he says, Hagam nagdim Even though their essences, their natures are opposite each other, the sun and the moon. We'll get 
protection from both and how are they opposite? Zecham v'yavesh, this one, the sun, is hot and dry. Vezekar v'lach, and this one, the moon, is cold and wet, assigning these different attributes to the sun and the moon and to therefore imagining the kinds of protection that we might need from each one. I don't know how satisfying it is, but I do think there's something like living in a place that is dark and wet a lot. That's true. <laughs> this time of year, which I tend not to associate with the moon, right? I don't really think that the moon has anything to do with that. There is something sort of interesting about what does it mean to be protected, both from the things that seem really imminently dangerous, right? In the way that the sun sometimes can be, especially if you're, you know, imagining being in like a desert arid kind of climate, but also about other kinds of protection and maybe even just physical comfort as well. Yeah. As you were saying, we've gotten a lot of rain recently. And I was talking to Carlos, who works at Beshalom, and he was saying his other job is like a handyman. And he was extremely busy last week. He said just a lot of things broke because of the rain that we had. Related to our topic of climate change, part of the way the climate changes is just these intense rains. And that can take the form of flooding or hurricanes, and it can be extremely damaging. Yeah, so having protection from that. Yeah, and I think also like having protection even from the things that don't seem imminently dangerous or that we wouldn't necessarily think of that way, right? Like one of the other things that we see is just this greater variability in weather patterns. So like, I kind of love this for its promise of protection from the whole spectrum, not just the one thing that we might perceive as the most dangerous, but even sometimes climate change might mean that on a particular day, the weather feels more comfortable. Maybe the winter is a little bit more mild and maybe we don't always hate that <laughs> in the moment because we don't experience it as immediately physically dangerous to us. But I think that this is like, kind of a beautiful reassurance in a broader way. Yeah, I guess, and I think we are going in this direction, it seems like the sun can be seen by itself, but the moon has to be turned into a metaphor. Because the moon itself, I feel like, is the opposite of threatening. When yeah. it's full, you actually have more light and you feel less afraid, perhaps at night, when the darkness could be places where dangers could hide. Yeah, I think that's part of like what actually really prompted my curiosity about this text. In particular, also like the rabbis really see the moon as a sign of blessing. Mm. And especially for the Jewish people, because we follow a mostly lunar calendar. And because the rabbis are aware that their surrounding nations use solar calendars. The rabbis are really intentional about linking the Jewish people with the moon and suggesting actually even that a lunar eclipse is a bad sign for the Jewish people, right? Because the moon is eclipsed and that's the thing that we rely on. And so it makes it like even more striking because we have like this deep connection with the moon to then be like, what does it actually mean that we could see that we could see the moon as a source of threat? Very interesting. So in terms of metaphors, I don't know, it could be that even the things that we feel like are helping us or that feel comfortable to us, like can ha still have dangers within them. Asking God to protect us even from the familiar things, I guess. Yeah. And I think like maybe going back to what you said about like the, the way that 
the moon at its fullest gives us the potential to like see dangers that might be lurking in the night. Maybe there's also like a caution here to not be like overly confident, right? Like to remember actually that even with the light of the moon, we, I mean, you know that I always come back to humility, but like we actually like aren't fully aware of what's out there and to not like totally rely on it as a source of illumination when that illumination is going to be incomplete. Right. And of course, what I always come back to um, is climate despair. Because I think the more we learn about what's happening, the more we can fall into this place of despair. But then that has the opposite effect of what we wanted when we first went to learn more, which is to do more and to prevent more. And I think there's something very energizing about the sun, right? Especially in Seattle. You actually can notice when the sun is shining, people's faces actually look happier. (laughs) People aren't talking to each other. And when it's rainy and cold, people scrunch up and try to get out of the outside as, as soon as possible. So there's something like really energizing about the sun, even though it's obviously more dangerous. But the moon represents the nighttime and the darkness and getting weighed down by that. If you're too weighed down by the darkness, you can't act. So is there something in this psalm that God is saying, I will protect you from getting too weighed down? I love that actually read together with the beginning of the psalm, which has the psalmist looking up to the mountains Mm. for support, right? Like it seems like the psalmist is in a difficult place Mm. and wondering where their help will come from. And they look up to the mountains and actually in the more famous part of this psalm, which gets more attention than this part about the sun and the moon. And I think there's something beautiful about that, that like actually part of what this is about is like inspiring us that things can be better, that we can make them better and to not get weighed down and bogged down. And the mountains being like a really clear metaphor of like looking up and actually being uplifted. And I guess the sun and the moon also, right? Like this is, there's a lot of looking upward, in this psalm. And again, this is a theme we come back to a lot also, which is calling God the creator. And how does that come in? So my help comes from the Lord, maker of the heaven and earth. So it's like the psalmist sees the mountains, remembers that God is the creator, and then sees God as like a personal guardian, not Mm -hmm. just to the Jewish people, but like for them personally. So like, it seems there's these steps that we go through, right? One is just experiencing that awe of nature, which can then be a spiritual kickoff. Then God is the creator, and then God is more personal. And I think, to me, what gives me hope a lot of the times with what we're experiencing and the role of humans in it is this idea of nature actually being resilient, mm-hmm. right? And so seeing God as the creator ties in with that a little bit for me is like God created this world that then keeps creating itself. And even when things change, life finds a way. Yeah. But then heaven and earth, I think that's interesting in itself. Heaven the Shamaim, it's that's where the rain comes from, right? That's where like our weather patterns come from. That's where the sun and the moon are. So earth is kind of like the place where life springs from, 
but it's reliant on the heavens. Yeah. And God is creator of it all, ruler of it all. Yeah. And I think that's like where part of the promise of protection comes in mm. is that we know that it's not totally true. But I think sometimes humans feel like we have like real dominion here on earth <laughs> and that we're really in charge of things and can control things. But I think we actually don't really have that same illusion about the sun and the moon. <laughs> like, we know that those are beyond us. But I think in the way that this psalm orders everything, right, like, we're also reminded that actually God is above those also. And so even the threats that we perceive from those, there's actually something greater even beyond that, that is sort of ordering the whole thing, not only our experience here on Earth, but also the things that threaten us from beyond. It's funny you should say that, because I feel like some of... Well, I don't know how new they are, but like coming up in the, our consciousness of like, how do we deal with climate change? There have been a few sky-based solutions. So there's this idea of putting sulfur into the atmosphere to darken it a little. Well, darken maybe isn't the right thing. I think it like reflects the sun because it's like a little cloudier. Uh-huh. And so people have been thinking about that and then other people like are really freaked out by that suggestion and then another one is putting solar panels orbiting earth but above the atmosphere and then beaming that electricity back to the surface wow (laughs) (laughs) so similarly to the tower of babel humans are not just sticking to the (laughs) earth anymore (laughs) but i think we do have some trepidation about messing with yeah. the sky. And you said this is often said at times of trouble for the yeah. Jewish people. It's a psalm that we might say communally during a time of trouble for the Jewish people, but like it's also a psalm that like you might say if you're like waiting to go into surgery or something like that, or you're waiting for a loved one who's in surgery. So it's used both communally and also personally. Right. And when it's used in a personal sense, I'm sure a lot of people use it. They do believe that God personally chooses what happens at every moment and can intervene. But I'm guessing for some people, it's also the acknowledgement, as you said, we don't control things. And when we feel like we control things, we can drive ourselves crazy. (laughs) And we still don't control things. (laughs) And so this could be a mechanism of letting that false sense of control go. Yeah, and I think it's actually like a little bit of two things at once, which might be a little bit counterintuitive. So I think it is one, precisely that, a way of letting that false sense of control go and really saying like, I'm not in charge. (laughs) Or like, I am small. I'm dependent on all kinds of forces outside of myself. And I think sometimes reciting psalms during times of distress, either personally or communally, also becomes like a mechanism for control, right? Like in a moment where we feel like we have no control, and we can't do anything, right? And we can't actually change the thing. Then often people will be like, well, then I'm gonna say psalms so that I'm doing something. Right. And it becomes almost like a stand-in for control. So I think it's actually like a really interesting, it's sort of like straddling both of those things at the same time. It's a way of relinquishing control or acknowledging that we don't have control, but also still trying to hold on to a little bit of control in the magic and meditation of saying ancient words. And yeah, I think the climate crisis can 
be the kind of situation where we need a mechanism for both of those. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose, the Associate Rabbi of Congregation Beth Shalom in Seattle. This podcast is a project of Congregation Beth Shalom and Ahavat Ve'avodat Adama, our community's environmental group. Choni's Circle was recorded in Seattle, Washington at Full Track Productions. It was produced by Tamara Labicki and Dave Dintenfass. With original music by Ella Labicki Feldman. Thanks for listening and learning with us.